I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Siakam the slam! CJ the grand Welcome, welcome, welcome to Strictly Hoops with CJ Miles. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen or watch. And yeah. Uh, we're here again for another episode after the Toronto Raptors lose to the Sacramento Kings. And before that, they lost back-to-back games with uh, against the Orlando Magic. So, um, interesting time. Didn't think we'd be here. Uh, CJ, what's up, man? How are things? I'm good, man. You know, um, just, just living. But, I mean, you know, yeah. ready to talk about this, ready to get into this. Um, it's a, Like you said, it's a interesting time right now. We got some some things to talk about for sure. Yeah. Um, I know you went to see Adele recently, so I'm wondering which yes, one of I these did. songs <laughs> from Adele, uh, in terms of the titles, do you think fits the Raptors currently? Uh, Skyfall, Love in the Dark, as in we love this team so much, but we're in darkness. Um, water Under the Bridge, you know, things are going to get better. It's okay. My answer is always Water Under the Bridge. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's always going to be that. That's just we'll my okay. outlook on, yeah, that's just, right now, like this, yeah. this time of the year, like, and the way things can go, we're talking about, we're talking about the NBA, like, <laughs> talking about injuries, we're talking about hot streaks, we're talking about trades, we're talking about all type of things that could happen that could shift, not even just one team, that one team's moves can shift a, a conference, um, and with players that we know can play if that makes sense. And I think the more time we can get on this team, those younger guys figure things out. If we can figure out a way to get them, you know, more time, I'm talking like I'm on the coach staff, but I just mean like if, if, if we could get some more balance and some more, we could kind of handle the woes a little more because now you give, you, there's a chance for one of those other guys to have a big night right now. They don't have a chance. They don't, they don't have enough time to, there's not enough trust in them to, if, Freddie or Pascal or somebody in the starting lineup, one of your guys is having an off night that you leave them out there an extra six, seven minutes. Yeah. Sure. Because they got it going. But they 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 don't have it yet. Yeah, we're gonna get to some of that stuff because um some of you sent in questions. Much appreciated. We're gonna get to that a little bit later on. Uh, but let's start with that Kings game last night. Um, what were your takeaways from it? Obviously, a disappointing finish. There were some good parts to it, but definitely, I mean, an L is an L. I mean, I mean, obviously the first thing is the biggest. They got to make shots. Yeah, got to make threes. Like if you're gonna take them, if you're gonna take twenty some threes a night, whatever it is. I don't know the number. Last night they took twenty one. Yeah, I know that's, and that's hit, hit that's six. a low that's a low number hmm. for you know what I mean. Like that's a low number uh, for taking and making. Obviously you stop shooting them if you that's if you're not making them. But um, I think it's a it's a big thing. Like yeah. It's the most bl- glaring thing to me right now. If you're going to play with the pace and try to play in transition and try to play, you want to play because it, it, it takes away so many other things. Like we're more, there's less long rebounds where we have to be in transition defense. 
there's um less less runs like say we get three three shot on up on three possessions and we missed three four in a row and yeah. guys got in transition three four times in a row because of those that changes it and that, that changes the momentum the feel of a team also because they feel it I know for a fact this team drills and drills ways to get open three-pointers and make open three-pointers. So you're not only dealing with the fact that you got to get up and down the floor, but just the fact that you know this this woe is on you about us not making shots. And then obviously missing OG. Um, Scotty's still feeling his way through some things. Um, he's I, I'm still not worried about him. I'm not I, like I think a lot of it is expectation from our side. Not expectation, not really putting in the work of knowing, or how could you know how other teams are going to guard him, mm. how other people around him are going to play, the lineups he's playing with. There's so many things that have to fall into place to get that that second jump, yeah, or just him being extra dominant. So one of the two's got to happen. He's got to be so aggressive mm. and so just fierce at the rim, attacking, making plays that he forces himself out of it or he's got to rely on his vets to find even and coaches to find even more easier ways to, yeah. you know, but he's got so much talent. You want that you kind of want him to just kind of, but he's also 20. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought he had a pretty good game yesterday. The turnovers were there. Some of the late ones, which he was accountable yeah. for. I mean, he was asked last night about his playmaking. He had, you know, 27, I think, 7 and 10 assists, right? Ten, yeah. And, so, yeah. And, yeah, uh, no, right. He, yeah, and he, he was asked about it. He's like, yeah, you know, um, I was finding cutters and stuff like that. But, I mean, I had a few costly turnovers um, at the end of the game. Unprompted, he talked about that, and I think that was yeah. his takeaway from it is that you know I played and this is good the thing, and all that kind though. of stuff, but this is what happened. And this is the thing that's crazy. We're talking about. I'm saying he's still filling some things through. The man had 27, six and ten. Like with, the the numbers, the things he could do is there. Like I think it's just the learning curve now is consistency of this type of level obviously and the way they play is equal opportunity so you're not gonna have gaudy numbers every night with pascal and fred and when og comes back and even with chris boucher can come off the bench and have 25 you got all these different guys that can do things but mm. the turnovers and the the, the the lapses and things like that are the things that yeah. are gonna change the elevation because now he has 35 36 without if he keeps a couple and just goes to the basket if he doesn't have those lows he stays in the game longer mm. you know there's different things that affect those numbers also sure that last uh turnover i believe it was his last one where fred poked the ball away late in the game and they were down mm. three and then he tried to pitch it ahead to fred but i think it was harrison barnes like tipped it and caught it mm. and when that happened i think like the whole entire crowd was just like Oh, because it was a great play by Fred. And I mean, they're down. They were struggling with their half-court offense a little bit. A, a few chip shots from Pascal just didn't go in for whatever reason. It's like there was a lid on the rim last night for him for whatever reason. I don't know, man. Um, a lot of his <laughs> chip shots just were not going in. Nice like and, that. Yeah, it happens, right? And uh, But that particular play, you're just like, oh, that, that sucks so much. Because it was right there for him. And uh, at that moment, I mean... They got a couple of good shots, and that could have got them within one. But, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I like that uh, his confidence in taking the three in the fourth mm -hmm. quarter. Um, and also, Fred, giving him the confidence that, you know, I think you can make this shot. It was late in the game. They were down four, and he uh, kicked it over to Scotty for a corner three, and he hit it. And that's progression for him. That's a, a big stride that he can make that kind of shot in that moment. Um 
probably couldn't do that last season. Again, the shot's looking good. You want to see more swishes because they're like rattling in, but I think that will will come with time. But um, good progression from him definitely over these past few games. It seems like he's yeah. kind of finding his groove a little bit. I do want to talk more about Scotty uh, just with how the Raptors can get him going a little bit, but any more thoughts on, on that? Um, not, no, not really. I think yeah. those are the main things, you know, just similar things that we've been talking about, just kind of yeah. getting guys, more guys involved if you can. And, and the Pascal thing is a fluke. Like I'm not worried about that at all. Like um, there's nights like that. Like, it just is what it is. The thing that struck me about uh, the game last night, and uh, it seems like Nick Nurse before the game was like, get in the paint, get in the paint, get in the paint. doesn't matter how many threes. And, like, I understand the the skepticism about this. You know, they shot 21 threes. They made six, not a great percentage. But they still shot 51% in the game, or 50% in the game, 51% in the second half, 48% in the fourth. So they were getting shots and they scored however many points. To me, like the takeaway was um, their defense really trailed off in that fourth quarter. And um, they got off to a decent start. But I also think some of that was shots now falling for Sacramento. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the NBA. Yeah. And Kevin Hart is like, shooting the laces off the ball over there. Yeah, and he wasn't even playing. <laughs> That's the crazy part. <laughs> he's and, shooting uh, the laces off over there. Yeah, you know, he's unbelievable shooter. But they got a few of those guys, and this was kind of a contrasting styles between um, the Kings and the Raptors, where you have the Kings, a lot of shifty, quick guards who can get in the paint and who can have also, you know, hit threes for kickouts. Mm-hmm. And we saw that in the in the fourth quarter. And then the Raptors, they're big, they're bulky, they want to, you know, punish you down low. And in the end, it was the style of the Kings that prevailed. Was it tiredness? I don't know. But there were rotations that were like two seconds late, um, not prioritizing, protecting the rim with Sabonis, who was like just carving them up all night, um, not Ding up man to man and keeping the dudes in front of them. Like those are big problems that were happening in the fourth quarter. So the shooting, obviously you want to hit threes like that number isn't good, but defensively um, it seems like every game there's like it's either this or it's that there isn't like a consensus you got to fix this because it's always a different thing (laughs) with this Raptors team right now and that's the unfortunate part I mean the other so first I want to just give Sacramento some credit also yeah first before because we're talking about some bonus who is a monster passes well plays in and out of the paint can do so many things on the floor De'Aaron Fox um, he was a problem in the fourth quarter yeah, Aaron Malik, Fox was a huge problem. Yeah. Malik Monk also, these are two guys, like you said, guys that play such a high pace and such an energy that they're always attacking, always looking to go. Like it doesn't matter if the set's called mm-hmm. or not. And these are things that are hard to guard because, you know, they, they play with such a um what's the best I, I, I guess to keep to keep the same word, it's such a pace. Yeah. That doesn't allow you to, to bottle them up and allow you to like put them in certain spaces because they're playing so free a lot of the game, and they're just playing basketball, which makes them hard to guard. Like you said, they got guys that can make threes, too. The best one in the league pretty much right now but didn't even play. So um, they still got guys that can keep the spacing and help them make plays. But the other thing is you just hope that the offensive, like not making threes, like we talked about missing three or four threes in a row, doesn't take away from the effort mm. because you're getting good shots and you're like, man. That was another chance we had yeah. to take the lead or cut it to two or cut it to one. And it seems like, you know, you're not going to get over the hump and you can't allow that to happen. Yeah. You have to find a way to create offense from your defense now. No question. And that's uh, one of the pillars of the Raptors is that they want that to happen. But their half court offense, <clears throat> they're currently ranked 29th in points for 100 plays. 
in their half court offense. Now, overall, with their half court um, per 100 possessions, which is a kind of a different story, they're 14th. And so now you're factoring in offensive rebounding, which is obviously one of uh, the things that they want to capitalize on. But um, it's been a problem for a few years now that their half court offense isn't able to generate enough points. Um, that's why they have to do some funky things such as, you know, uh, increasing their transition game, um, crashing the glass because they just need to make up those points somehow, some way. And now with the current injuries, <clears throat> three point shooting is becoming a problem. So what do you, what do you think about this? Like, I guess for, first off offensive rebounding, in a player's psyche, when they're told that they need to offensive rebound, whoever it is, if it's if it's uh, Chris Boucher, if it's Thad Young, if it's Precious Achua, if it's Ken Birch, whoever, does that change your the way you approach a 24-second possession? Because you know that like at some point, 10 seconds left, you just have to start crashing the glass. Not 10, maybe it's five, but you know what I mean? No, I think I think what it would do, from speaking from me, what it would do is give you a little bit more freedom because hmm. you know you you know – Whatever happens, you gotta you got free reign to try to go. Yeah. You don't have to think about getting back if you've been set to be the guy to try to crash. And I think the more you're moving, the harder it is to box you out. Um, so I think the more freedom you have and the more chaos you can cause just by moving and screening and doing different things, playing along the baseline. I think um you just gotta keep in mind your position. Like I think that is really good about that. I think he kind of understands the play and sees where it's going. So he might start getting positioned at six just to kind of be a, a step ahead of the guy so he can box out him for, instead of having to overjump him or outjump yeah. him, I'm sorry. Um, but I think it's just the more – the better the offense can get, the more this can happen too. Because now you can start to kind of see shot the shots that are going up. Yeah. You like to see guys in their spots, know what kind of plays they make in these spots. So you can get ready to crash. You could be three steps ahead of the defense now. But I think the more continuity we get from the offense, the better we'll be able to get that offense rebound. Hopefully, we just start making threes and it won't even matter. But that's the plan, you know. Yeah, that's that's the hope. When you look at their half court offense, um, what are the things that you would say are lacking? We've talked about this a little bit, um, but specifically, um, you know, their half court offense versus you know some of the other ones, the elite ones in the NBA. You know, a Boston, Golden State, Sacramento, for instance. What are the things that you're just like? If we could do more of that, they'd probably be in a better spot. Um, I think it's just like so. I don't think Toronto is super far off from the way that Boston likes to play offense. Yeah. I think that Boston is just sharp. I think they're just very, very crisp and they take advantage and they make reads really well in it. Yeah. Um, I think they, they're, they're really good screeners. Everybody, everybody tries to make sure they get their screen. If they, they have a responsibility to screen in that play. I don't always see that um, with Toronto. I don't always see them being sharp in every movement and understand that every cut can get them a basket. Yeah. I find that too. I was watching from the 600 level last night and <clears throat> there were times where I'm seeing off ball actions happen, but you can tell that the players on the court for the Raptors know that's not where the ball's going to go, mm -hmm. but you don't want the defense to know that when no one's looking mm -hmm. at the ball on the, on, on the off ball side or the, on the weak side of, of the action, um, you, the team knows or the defense knows that the ball's not going there. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of like you're moving, but you're not really doing it with purpose. And now you're not really creating any decoys, any deception, and you're making things easy. And uh, yeah, like Boston's very good at that. I, that's, that's what I love about watching Boston is that everything's done with purpose. Mm -hmm. And even if it's uh, not going to be part of the primary action or if it's secondary or if it's just you're doing it just to keep the defense on their toes, 
-hmm. Everything happens with precision. And it looks like, you know, they could be a scoring threat, right? Yeah. And uh, everyone's rolling, everyone's cutting. And like screening, you mentioned that. What do you think is are the keys to being a good screener? Because anyone can do it, I think. Um, yeah, everybody just like, can do it. Yeah, so what are the keys for everybody? And just making sure you, like, and it's not always about this molly whopping hit, right? It's just about making mm. guys change their courses, especially when you're dealing with shooting shooters or guys that are getting shots. Like, I just need you to make sure – he doesn't have a straight line to me if this gets swung around and he can get to the clean contest. Yeah. And I try to tell guys, I got more shots off plays that I wasn't involved with than I did there were plays that were for me. <laughs> like just because I understood yeah. that, you know, whatever they got, whatever the action is, on, if I'm on the weak side of it, I'm going to take advantage of this guy being indecisive. I'm going to make him make a decision. Like you either going to stay with me or you can go help. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to go screen, back screen somebody. I'm going to go make something happen random. Switch. Mm -hmm. I'm going to run from the corner just to run back to the wing. Or I might stand out of bounds. It doesn't matter. Like, just something to make you feel like, well, what is he doing? Sure. Like, I'm never going to be where, where I, if you turn your head and you turn around, I'm not going to be in that spot. Even mm -hmm. if it's just two steps to the left, whatever. It's just yeah. not going to give you the ability to not pay attention. It's just occurred to me now, because of how demanding the Raptors defenses do you think players not everyone but do you think players sometimes can struggle to have that mental focus additionally for the offensive end because like you said it's 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 imperative to have that kind of focus to make sure you're capitalizing on those situations and keeping the defense on their toes and making them make decisions instead of you having to react to them I think I I, I don't I don't think so no. I don't think that because because I think that everybody everybody's got to carry a load defensively in this league now, mm. the way we play. You know what I mean? Like, and I know they like to do the switching and they get some smalls on something like and that. And don't get me wrong, fatigue can become a factor in a game yeah. or throughout the season, of course. And they can, there'll be lows just simply because guys are, you know, getting in better shape. They'll see guys go through a two-week and then they come out of that and be better than they were before they went into the slump. Sometimes it's just adjustments. But I think it's like that's part of the game. Like, you want to be out there – you got to be able to hold that focus. Now, you know, obviously it's hard to do that for a full 38 minutes or 35 minutes. You're going to have mistakes if you play a certain amount of time just because there's so much game. But it's, when you're coming off the bench, especially when you are, you're a spark guy, you got to be rolling on every cylinder. Like you don't have time at, at, this, at this point in, the, in your career. Fred talked about this after the game yesterday, and he said that, you know, some of these bench guys, um, they're being put in positions where they have to be extremely professional with their output, as in your five minutes of run can come at any point, at mm -hmm. any time. Ken Birch made his appearance last night in the fourth quarter, right? And he played seven minutes of it. It wasn't a great seven minutes, not because of him, um, just because of the circumstances. And I think mm -hmm. there's some other matchup things that they probably could have done, but um, that kind of stuff happens on the Raptors. And uh, even for Malachi Flynn, didn't even play last night. I'm not sure. I would have liked to have seen Malachi yesterday against some of the, like, Sacramento had a pretty small backcourt. Um, the guards are pretty small. You know, you need some three-point shooting, you know, some Fred, Malachi, uh, you know, combo backcourt minutes could have been fruitful in some ways. But for some of these guys, like, how difficult is that to just jump into these situations and expect it to, you know, produce? I understand it's the NBA and that's how it is, but it does seem like something that has to be groomed over years and not something you can just do at, you know, 23, 24, 25. It definitely takes some time to get, to get better at it. Um, it's definitely a, a skill set in itself. Yeah. 
But at the same time, if you want that seven minutes to be 14 minutes. Oh, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. if you want seven minutes in the first half, too, you got to be sitting over there, like, salivating at the mouth. Like, yeah. you got to be, like, so ready. And it, and, it, and, not, and I'm not saying this to say it's easy. I've been there, done it. It is not. But when you're young, you got to be so sharp. Mm -hmm. It's almost – it's so hard to become a rotation player in this league sometimes. People don't understand that. Um, the level of skill that it takes for that guy to be sitting there for – an hour and 30 minutes, mm. like sitting, warming up before the game and getting like four minutes at halftime, finding, keeping himself some type of ready to jump in a heated game that he has no feel for because he hasn't touched it all night. And he's, it's at the apex. Like it's at this, we're about to go into the, 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 the villain fight, the last level. Mm. And you get thrown in there. You gotta, that's, Damn. that's, that's but that's the way you earn ultimate trust though. If I can get that out of you multiple times, I can definitely trust you in the first quarter, the end of the first quarter, second quarter. You know what I mean? And 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 I, that's kind of unfair. I kind of would think you would like, you know, do it the other way around, but it is what it is. They should all blame Fred Van Vliet because he did it, and it's the example now. So it's expected that everyone should be a able lot to do of it because Fred so, did it. <laughs> but there was so many like there's a lot of guys like that, especially. When I came in, it was like that just because the league was a little older. So they just didn't really mess with young players. Like, I went to a coach that openly confessed he did not like young players. I was the youngest person ever drafted in the franchise history. Was it Larry Brown? <laughs> no, it was Jerry Sloan. But oh, same well, thing. Okay. Yeah, same yeah, thing. Same, same thing. thing. So, and Larry, didn't Larry have Lewis Williams? He did at one point. So yeah, it took Philly. a second. So it took, yeah. he had to. Same type of earning thing. And yeah. you talk about Lou Will with Allen Iverson and uh, who's on that team? Elton Brand, like vet vet guys are around at that mm. time, like older guys. They're not playing that. Yeah. And when Good you question. get out there, we're going to make sure we're going to get at you too. Like, come on. Get yeah, like, going. Not, not because I'm trying to like sun you, but just because I'm like, yeah. yo, I know what this means. Sure. This is what you've been, when we talking after the game or, and you can't figure out, why are you not getting a chance? This is this is how we we multiply that. Mm. This is it. I thought Delano had a few good minutes yesterday. Yeah, I I like him a lot, man. I just yeah. I wish we could find a way to just to let him like let him play like let him know he can play through some mistakes. Like you might have to let him rock a little bit. But he looks sharp right now. Cuts are good, right? Defense. He's starting to get a hang of it. Um, the cuts cutting is terrific. Like my, my dream for him is I, I want him at least this season, like in the future, he can be whatever he's going to be. But this season, I would love to him to be like kind of a Chris Boucher in a way, right. Where he's making really smart cuts. He's running in transition. He's ball handler. He's just being that gazelle style of his and getting up and down the court. And then, you know, defensively being versatile, getting in passing lanes, uh, jumping screens, just like being a disruptor. Mm -hmm. I I'm hoping he can harness that for like a 15 minutes, a uh, 15 minute roll, you know, game by game. It hasn't materialized that way yet. Uh, the three point shooting has been up and down. I mean, but I think if he was able to get some stable minutes, I think he'd be able to make something of it. So think about it like this too. Like I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, if I'm a young player, like, and I'm watching my team and this is happening, what we're going through right now. Yeah. I got to understand that we struggling. So the ultimate goal is to win. Some type of change can happen. Like I could not be getting in until if I get my whatever amount of minutes, say I get eight minutes a night. Yeah. And most of the time I get like the last three, four minutes 
of the first quarter. If we've been struggling, I could, I could go in at eight minutes. Hmm. Or somebody else could go in, and I cannot go in until the second quarter now. Like, it could change. Like, we're going to figure out how to win. Yeah. And this is a time, like we talked about, to multiply your minutes. Like, if we've been struggling defensively, shooting-wise, all these things, and you go out there and you give me those two things, I got to let you stay on the floor. Yeah. Because we're not getting it nowhere else right now, and we're mm -hmm. trying to win. So if you go out there and you make some stops, it gets a swing, swing happens, you make an open three in the corner, you turn your four minutes into seven, eight minutes. That's true. That's Which true. lets you turn it into a 12-point mm -hmm. night. Yeah. Like you got they make them, they gotta see me now. Yeah. Can the Raptors efficiently score on the half court or without three-point shooting? And yes. I'm talking, I'm talking about the next two weeks or so because um over the next two weeks, you're mm. not you and I were talking about over the uh, beforehand. Point. Yeah. Nets, Warriors, 76ers, Knicks, Cavaliers, Clippers, Grizzlies, Suns, Jesus. That's how the rest of their month's gonna go. And um my my worry about this team is that they're just gonna fall too far behind the eight ball in this next two weeks, and it's gonna impact the rest of their season. They're eventually gonna get healthy, I hope. And OG's gonna come back, Precious is gonna find his role. Otto Porter Jr., I, I hope he's able to stay healthy Man. for the rest of the season. But I think they're gonna be okay eventually. This is a rough patch, but however, you're in this very important stretch right now. You just gave away three games to teams that you probably should have beat. And now you're just like, we could get really far behind now if the rest of this month doesn't go well. And guess what? There's no reinforcements coming other than OG perhaps next week, but that's, we don't know about that. And so now I'm looking at this team as who they are. Okay. So their three-point shooting is injured for the most part. Um, Fred, who we're going to get to in a second, hasn't really found his stroke. Gary Trent Jr. Um, is you know clearly probably one of their more consistent three-point shooters. And um, then you got Scotty and Pascal and so forth. So how do the Raptors manufacture good half-court possessions with this current group while they're injured? The crazy thing is, first, you, you got to make some. <laughs> some of the threes. Like, I can't even get around it, especially yeah, when you go play against good, experienced teams. Yeah, yeah. Like, teams that Philly, even mm -hmm. the Nets who have had they, whatever their struggles and they climb and they're, they're going the right, the better direction now. But, like, they yeah, have the guys. The Raptors that, struggle against them, by the way. The Raptors struggle guys against know, the Nets. Yeah, they have guys that know how to win. Yeah. So yeah, they're going to they're gonna come into that game knowing that y'all haven't been making threes. So rotations are going to be a little slower in different directions to make you shoot threes. Like, you're going to have to prove that to me tonight. Philly's Philly's going to make you prove it. Phoenix is going to make you prove it. Like, these are the high-level team. Cleveland is playing well right now. They're going to make you prove it. Like that's that's what good teams do. They 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 know what you what you're weak at. They're gonna attack it. Um, but the biggest thing without the three pointer is just the pace and the 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 sense of urgency in what we're doing offensively. I don't care if it's just a dribble handoff, that's your responsibility to play. You drive that ball at that person, dribble handoff, just to give yourself a chance. You might be able to turn the corner. You might be able to go get a layup. Because that's what Boston pace. does. That's what Boston exactly. does. Exactly. But I need the defense to make sure that you won't yeah. do that so they can't guard this. Yeah. Like, if you just take it over there and walk over there and kind of hand it to Fred, I oh, I can trap him. I know where you're going. I know you're not trying to do anything else with the ball. It's lazy, right? It's a lazy it's lazy half-court offense. You're just taking seconds off the clock and nothing's being accomplished. And everything that but they it, do, it feels like it's yeah. happening really late in the shot clock. But it also leads to believe or see, a little bit of lack of belief in what we're doing. Because you don't... 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And making basketball plays also. So you're just like, oh, okay, I know we run. I'm going to just get it over here. But if I'm into this to make basketball plays within the base of our offense, I'm treating everything like it could be a score. Or it could be a made play. Like options, I know you write layers in the plays, but real layers of plays come from guys making basketball plays. They're not scripted things. They're like watching what the defense is giving me and yeah. me attacking that. So if I watch you lazily switch on a dribble handoff three times in a row from the bench, the first time I do a dribble handoff, I'm slipping. I'm taking that ball straight to the basket, and you're going to have to foul me, or I'm going to get somebody else to help, and we're going to get a mm -hmm. swing, swing. We're going to get something different. I'm not going to yeah. go keep doing the same things just for sake of the play. Can't do that. Yeah. What are your thoughts on them starting Kembers going forward? I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I... I think they need Thad's playmaking off the bench because they're so desperate for production from there, and I mean, with Scotty, Pascal, and Fred, it seems like there's always going to be two of them on at, at one at one point, right? Mm -hmm. That's what how it was uh, last night. And Thad, he could be the additional playmaker, um, you know, in the high post, you know, finding cutters, things like that. Wancho's back. They have some chemistry there. And also, I mean, Kem's bigger. Like, Sabonis was bullying everyone last night. And uh, Thad, I mean, like, it's it's a mismatch. Like, it's not it's not really fair. But at least with Kem, you know you're going to get the defense. You know you're going to get some rebounding. He's going to play positionally sound. He's going to be smart. Offensively, he's going to play hard. And uh, I I think it would be beneficial. They've tried Coloco a little bit. Um, his minutes have been going down. Um, it seems like every game, although I, actually last night I thought he played pretty well. He could have had uh, a few more minutes. Um, but at least with Kem, you know what you're getting. And with Thad, there's the variable that he might get outmatched by mm -hmm. the person opposing. And then with Coloco, he's young. He might make some mistakes. But with Kem, you know what you're getting. And for at least like that 14 minutes that he plays in the first quarter and third quarter, you know that you're going to get this from Kem Birch. And also, I mean, he's got some screen and roll craft with uh, with, pass, yes. with Fred. And it's it's something. He's a decent passer, too. Um, when he gets the ball on those double teams, when teams uh, trap Fred. I don't know, man. I think it might be a decent route to go. But also depends on, like, the Raptors' plan. You know, what are they trying to do this season? <laughs> and also, I mean, so first of all, if he, if they weren't going to – if he wasn't playing much, if he felt like he wasn't playing enough, he's going to mm -hmm. play in this stretch. He's going to play against Cleveland. He's gonna play against Philly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah who true. else? Who else is on that in that stretch? Well, DeAndre Ayton. Uh, um, he's gonna yep. have Stephen Adams. Yep. Uh, yeah. There's uh, gonna be Zubac. some. He's gonna. Zubac. He's gonna get a chance to to prove his value. True. Like we just talked about, he's gonna get yeah. a chance because he's gonna. They're gonna need him because those are big guys and they and they mm -hmm. affect the games. And he's gonna get his chance. So you know, for this stretch, like we said, it's a it's a it's a the time things are going the way we want sometimes you got to yeah. shake it up a little bit you got to shake the bag a little bit just to get everybody fired up and hopefully he can like bring some new energy to that lineup too because it's a different mm -hmm. feel maybe he gets you know a block and a screen and roll and catches a lob or something and it just changes the way the guys step out there and then a lot of times that happens
Hmm. Why did Gary Trent Jr. only play for 24 minutes last night? Been curious yeah. about that. He uh, he played 12 in the first half. Um, he got in some foul trouble, um, three fouls. And after that, he didn't check in in the fourth quarter. And he started the second half. But he didn't check in until like there was five minutes left. And it was puzzling to me. Like he's played 24 um, foul trouble there. But I think he should be up there to me because of his three-point shooting. Um, he should be up there probably with like Pascal and Fred and and Scotty, like, you know, playing 35 plus. That was a weird one, especially when they needed three point shooting so badly. And, you know, the paint was was absolutely congested. Pascal could have used a release valve. Um, that was a weird one for me. Um, I mean, it got two things like sometimes literally I've seen it. Coaches just get kind of lost in the game and don't yeah. and think they got they got something figured out and it just kind of had, it doesn't like you can, I've, I've been in, I've played in games where I was having a great game, but the matchups that happened when I came out just didn't seem to be the way, you know what I mean? It didn't seem the way they, the coaches saw it a different way to be able to, to win the game. And that happens like, and then he'd be like, ah, oh, I should have got him back in there. He was having a good night, but you're looking at it from the matchup. So like what you can exploit or can't, or what they might exploit, or if another guy's having a good game and he happens to be the ball handler, then mm-hmm. maybe I want him out there so I can't have him out there with this guy or whatever it may be. That yeah. could be the case. Or it was just something else that he wasn't giving him that he wanted. It's not always the case of making shots. Maybe he felt like, yeah, he might make a couple of threes, but I'm not I don't I'm not getting everything I want from him right. everywhere else. And it could be worse if he's not getting shots. Mm. While their half court offense is struggling a little bit, um, he seems like weird. some. Yeah, he seems like someone that could be utilized a little bit more. Um, uh-huh. he, they've had a lot of success, you know, bringing him off pin downs, curling around screens, and getting him the paint. He's got that mid range game. He's actually finishing decently um, around the rim. He's getting to the free throw line, I think, at five times per game, which is like you know double what he was doing last season. And again, he's right, got that he's... microwave scoring abil- yeah. ability, man. Like. You know, 20 can become 40 really quickly with him because every shot he takes, you feel like it's got a decent shot of going in because he's so balanced at all times when he shoots. Um, he missed like a late a late uh, third, fourth quarter three, but I think that's just when he checked in. And uh, it was a nice pass from Pascal, but uh, it was Gary's first shot in probably, I don't know, you know, nine minutes of game time and he missed it. But I, I think they got to utilize Gary a little bit more and, um, you know, bank on it. It's, it's a, it's a development point for him too. Right. You know, so yeah. you have the ball in your hands now, let's see if you can create and also score. I think there's a lot of things you could do with him. Just, um, yeah. They used to have a lot of plays. They used to run when I was there to get guys, like they were running for Debo some, like to get him in pick and rolls on a weak side of the floor. So that'd just be some type of action. And DeMar mm. would be standing far off the other side, almost half court, and they pitch it out to him. And a big would just run all the way out there and get him a pick and roll where he could just start coming downhill with the with the defense kind of out of their spacing, yeah. not in their help positions. Um, Stuff like that. A lot of dribble handoff stuff. We used to run a dribble handoff from the corner. Uh, a lot of teams running for for good scoring guys and guys that can cut a little bit. Kevin Martin was the worst the person to guard. Just speaking of Sacramento, because he such Crazy a quick shot live body, him. yeah, and he had a quick live body <laughs> and he was. back door. He he yeah. he was the worst to guard. That like James Harden too was hard in Oklahoma City to guard it. But sure. I think that type of action with him, because you can't go under because he can shoot the ball. You have to chase him over the top. Mm. Now you get him downhill. You get you know a lot of options. Get him in the middle of the floor. 
He actually doesn't look bad when he posts up either. Like he's got matchups. Sometimes we can post in the mid sure. in the mid range. He's got a lot of things in his bag. Um, mm. It's just about figuring out the best way. Like he has good off the bench. He's good as a starter because he can shoot it. What where do I get the most out of him? I guess is where you have to yeah. go. I mean, how do they get the most out of Scotty Barnes right now? Last night he had a good game, but I mean, I, as I was saying to you um, off air, that I expect Scotty to hit you know like eight turnaround hooks against a very small backcourt and small team overall outside of Sabonis, I guess, like Sacramento. Um, other teams, you know, we got uh, the Nets coming in tougher matchup and historically you know the past three matchups i guess like the raptors have struggled against the nets half court defense as the nets have gotten better and better so how do you get scotty going like how do you make sure that he's giving you that 15 to 20 and also you know just replicating what he did against the kings he, he he's able to do that uh, more often than not over these, these next three weeks um i think first of all the games he's having right now when you go mm-hmm. to sit down if you go to sit down and have a talk with him the good game you make sure he knows that he's having good games. Don't let him overcrowd his mind with, I got to get this. I got to know. Make sure he knows what he's doing well and that we, and that it's seen and that it's helping and that, you know, we expect this of him. I know, I know what he expects. I know what he wants to do. And I know, you know, he's got, but sometimes hearing it from the coaching staff and your guys kind of helps a little bit because it's like, yo, we see what you, we see what you're doing. Like, it's like, acknowledge it, especially with the young guy, and then tell him, you know, accept the challenge, though. This is the yeah. next challenge. Like, I see what you're doing. Like, you're telling on yourself, basically. I had a coach used to say that. Like, you're telling on yourself. They let me know you can do it. So now that you show me you can do it. And... Is it Dwayne Casey? He used to say no, that. It was way before that. It was way before <laughs> oh, that. Okay. Uh, he did used to say that, though. He did used yeah. to say that, actually, like you said. Um, but, yeah, like, take the challenge now. Provide it every night. And that's not always 27, 10, and 6. Let's just provide the effort that got you 27, 10, and 6 every night. You're so talented. Everything else will take care of itself. Just provide me that focus and energy. And uh, and if, if, it's, if it's other things that need to be adjusted, well, let us worry about that. Like the coaching staff. If you're not getting touches, we'll find a way to get them to you. But you're getting touches. Your energy is going to allow it. The flow of the game is going to allow it. Just play with that. And we'll figure out the rest. Hmm. All right. I sent you some uh, clips on Fred mm-hmm. Van Vliet. And I wanted to get your thoughts on, well, what's going on with Fred's shot? So he's uh, shooting 34, sorry, 24% from three over the past month or so. And it feels like something's going on because, I mean, he, he's a better shooter than this. And there's been sickness there's been well a couple of stints of sickness actually of illness um he's talked about trying to get his body right but from the clips i sent you and the clips were from the past two games um against the magic and the kings what are you seeing that could be potentially freddie's jump shot there is more um inconsistencies that i've ever seen with him shoot the ball like it looks different yeah. more than it does than, than like every two, three shots is a different shot almost. He's got a hmm. he's got a habit right now where his follow through hand is like fanning off to the right. Um and he's missing a lot right. Um there's one where I told you he's standing on the the left wing opposite of the bench, wide open, standing still. He shoots it and his momentum still takes him left. Like he still falls out left yeah. and turns his head right. 
as he's falling left. And then there's one he's going, he sidesteps right and he shoots it like he like overcompensates it and shoots it far back left. It's like something, maybe it's an alignment thing, something, or he's just getting back comfortable with his movements and he doesn't feel as great with some things yet, but you can tell there's a little bit of alignment thing. And then there's some that look perfectly fine. He just hit the back rim, they rattle in and out, that happens. But yeah. you can tell he's fidgeting a little bit, trying to make it go in instead of just, you know, shooting it. Do you think that's mental or could it be something physical that's bothering him? Because at times it does seem like he's pushing the ball as opposed mm -hmm. to shooting it. I don't know because it, this yeah. this could this could be from both things. I've had where it's been physically, I've had where it's been mentally. Speaking on myself, like just mentally, you just be like, why is it not going in? Yeah. All the work I'm putting in, all the extra shots, all the things I'm doing, and you just figure it must be something sometimes. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just, you know, a little bit of patience, a little bit of love, and you just kind of <laughs> take the good shots when you can get them. And then sometimes you have to break it all the way back down to the fundamentals. And, like, every shot's mm -hmm. just got to be standstill, follow through in the basket, stand there until it goes in, until you yeah. get, like, that real flow back. Sometimes you just, from injury, missing games, the muscle memory can get off a little bit. And then there's nights when, when, you, when you're in a rhythm and you're flowing, you can throw it up backwards. Like it, yeah. it, and that's the case sometimes. Nick mentioned a few days ago that um, the Raptors they got that you know shot tracker now in their in their practice facility. It. It's actually it's actually yeah. very cool. Yeah, um, and uh, last season when I was actually talking to Nick, he said that what's interesting about Fred is that his shot is always centered. If he misses, it's either long or short, but um, it's always centered. And a few days ago, he was asked about his jumper. He's like, it's weird that now I'm seeing it, you know, he's missing left. He's missing right a little bit. So the alignment that you're talking about, I mean, it, it checks out. And truly, like, we're just seeing Fred miss in more ways than we usually do. Because I remember, I mean, historically, it's like it is either short or long. It's always mm -hmm. centered. But right now, it's it's a bit of everything. And that's what makes you think that maybe there is something bothering him. Shoulder, wrist finger i don't know but um yeah. yeah yeah i mean i think it's just something that comes with like you said getting his body back right feeling looser um he's got a great trainer mr do it moving um uh, one of the mr do it moving he's like the you know you know what it is so no. he's like he's like the the top nba offseason trainer right now he's like Ooh. do it moving he's a skills trainer we can, he could come on the show bring him <laughs> He'll come on the show. He's a friend. Yeah, he's a friend of mine. Um, Beautiful. But yeah, he's like, so he started off as being, I remember he was working in a league in New Orleans. Um, That's how I met him because uh, Solomon Hill, who I played with, got married. Oh, he and we met loved playing the Raptors. Solomon Hill was one of those like Jeremy yeah, Lamb kind of guys that just yeah. always hits shots against the Raptors. So I met Annoying. Mr. Dewey at his, at his wedding, mm. um, at Solo's wedding, because Solo was on their team at that time. And we kind of kicked it a little bit. We kept in touch since then. And his journey since then has been crazy. Started training Drew Holiday. Yeah. People started seeing what Drew Holiday was doing. And obviously, Drew Holiday is solid as they come and athletic as they come. Best Champion. Yeah. And that blows up and people start to come see him. And yeah. uh, I'll let him explain why he calls himself Mr. Do It Moving. I don't want to give away his <laughs> part of his story. But he's a great <laughs> dude, man. Uh, and he, yeah, But he's, he's, he's fantastic at what he does. So if anybody yeah. can get him right, he can. No question. I, I do appreciate that Fred has seemingly um, is getting into the into the paint more and he thrives. At least he says that when he's able to get downhill 
and he's able to get in the paint, make decisions from there. He's a great kickout passer. Um, he's always finding the open man, and he's he's really harnessed that ability. Um, and he's getting to the free throw line right now. I think past two games, eleven times each each game, and. He had alluded to teams guarding him differently a few weeks ago. And to me, it seems like he's uh, holding onto his dribble a little bit longer. Like he's maintaining it. So that way he's like able to go through the darkness in some ways. And he's not picking it up. He's not tossing it out. He's saying, no, I'm going to figure this out. And uh, his crossover has always, always been great. Um, he's able to utilize that. And uh, it seems like he's changing directions more as he's using his handle to get to the rim more. And uh, these are all like positive steps. It's just... The jump shot, as we talk about the Raptors' three-point shooting, he is such a big part of their three-point shot making, along with OG. And when Fred's not there, like there's so many kickout opportunities that, like these are shots that, mm-hmm. when he's going like two for twelve, we're used to Fred probably going like eight mm-hmm. for twelve or seven for twelve because the shots are so clean, and it's yeah. just not happening right now, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's the other reason why I think it might be just a little bit of him fidgeting with his yeah. shot because he's moving well like he's doing things well with mm-hmm. the ball in his hands and and getting to where he wants to get um i think it's just a couple more good nights of good shots clean shots it'll it'll fade fade back away i think you know we're acting like he didn't just have a, a 30.9 point night you know what i mean um he's not you're never as far away from anything as you think that's the other thing with the nba especially like you're you're one game away from mm. going on a hot streak, like all the time. Yeah. Not even in being a hot streak, just finding your balance. Mm. Um, and that's you what know, Kyle Corpus said. You can't win two in a row till you win one in a row. <laughs> like, say that all the time. <laughs> can't win two till you win one. Yeah. Some people were saying that uh, Fred pushed off De'Aaron Fox on that final shot that he missed last night. I watched it again. Yeah. De'Aaron Fox flopped. And yeah, no, the referees and the referees yeah. wisely, they're just like, we're not gonna, yeah. we're not gonna get, could, we're gonna see this. Could, yeah, go ahead. You could tell by the collision that it wasn't like he was waiting on it to let it happen. Exactly, because he like it didn't look like yeah. they hit, and it, it wasn't a fight yeah. then push off. It was like it all happened at one time. Sorry, yeah. I'm moving the mic. <laughs> it's okay. The Raptors had a players only meeting um a few weeks back, mm-hmm. and uh, it got me thinking about the nature of players only meetings. Um, you hear of them happening, you know. Every, you know, there's like five, six teams each season who have a players-only meeting, and they take on different meetings with each team. So I'm curious, is like, you know, how many have you been a part of, and are they worthwhile? Do they accomplish anything? Yeah, I think they do. I yeah. think too many of them won't, but I think there's times that they are called for because without the staff, anybody in there, nobody has to hold their tongue or feel like that's, that's a sign that we want to, what's up? Like, tell mm-hmm. me, like, if it's a problem with another player, if it's a problem with, you know, the coaches maybe or something, the way it's going on, or you maybe your playing time, shots, whatever. Like, sometimes you want to be able to let that steam off without it being taken yeah, too far. Or now we have a conversation with – I have a conversation with our captains. So I have a conversation – this conversation with Fred and Pascal, the guys that have the most communication with coach and then the, have the heaviest weight. Now they can kind of relay this too. Like, hey, can we get such and such a couple more shots off of this or this, that, and the third? It might help us. Like, get a pulse of your team. Get a feel of your team. I think that's why leaders like to do it. So they can get a real feel of what's happening with the whole team hmm. and how they feel. So um, how many have you been a part of, would you that's say? That's a good question. I don't know. I've, I mean, I've probably had. So it's a lot. Probably been in, yeah, that's probably been at least one every yeah. year. 
like on the good teams, especially, there's always one. Huh. Because we got to be able to hold each other accountable too. We got to be able to talk to each other like, yo, get your ass over there. Like, <laughs> like figure it out what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. It's not, it's not personal. And sometimes things can get personal when it's other. It's like um when Jordan Poole, when this incident happened with Draymond Green. Ooh, like, I still think about that, that punch. Jesus. That situation, <laughs> that situation is so much bigger because everybody saw it. Yeah. You know what I mean? With all the eyes on it. So think about in a locker room, we trying to we make this intimate setting and me and you going at each other crazy. Just in the heat of the moment, it wouldn't mean as much if it wasn't the coach standing behind us like, okay, hey, calm down. Like it's not, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. We just get letting off the steam. Yeah. Um, and I think having just the guys in there changes it. It changes, it takes some weight off. It's like, no, I'm talking to you, only you. It's out of love, out of what we're trying to accomplish. It has nothing to do with me trying to embarrass you, stand you up in any type of way, put you in any type of bad lighting. I'm just yeah. let's figure this out. Do you recall one that was very productive and it actually led to, you know, success down the road? Um, a couple of the teams I was on. We had one in um one in Cleveland actually that ended up being really productive for the rest of that year. We didn't we weren't the best team. We didn't go on to do it like a crate, but we were better after it. Yeah. After we got to have that conversation. And um what'd you guys talk about? Just just sorting out like feelings, like people like what it was, why guys felt certain ways about certain things. Like you see guys kind of getting down about a play call or this or that. Like, let me, what, what's up? Like what you feel like we not doing? Like you feel like you're not being heard. That's the biggest thing. A lot of times some guys feel like they're just not being heard, but they play a role on this team. Hmm. And, or, or some guys are taking advantage of their role and not doing the things they should be doing. It's a lot of situations like that. And then sometimes it's just the whole unit. Everybody's slacking. So somebody got to point it out so then we can all start to admit it. It seems like that's what the Raptors one was more more so. Um, less about, you know, I'm not, well, maybe actually, who knows, right? Because there must be a reason why, you know, we're seeing so much inconsistency from the team like game by game and, that, and why, you know, you know, for two quarters, they play great defense, then the fourth quarter, or there's like a 15 minute stretch where they don't, and that ends up costing them because they don't have the offense to make up for that stretch where they didn't play defense. So they got it, their margin for error is very small um, with the, with the Raptors right now. And so I wonder if that was kind of the, the nature of it. And I don't, I don't think for them, it's going to be, you know, the finger pointing kind of players only Me meeting. I mean, you, you, yeah. You'd know better than I do. I think it was I don't more think like, those, what's up? Those guys have it in them. Yeah. No. They're not those type of guys well, to do it that way. Right. It's not productive. It's not. Like, yeah. It's not, it's not to have it that way. Unless there's somebody blatantly trying to trash the situation, <laughs> trying to tank us or doing like, it's not. And most of the time, if there's a guy who or is that blatant and you have to do that, you won't even have to have the meeting. The team will get him out of there before you even get a chance sure. to to have a meeting about yeah. said guy, if that's the case. But I think the first thing is the leaders stand up and they make sure they admit to what they're not doing, what they got to do better jobs of, and they just ask everybody to follow suit. That's what that's usually how mm -hmm. it starts. It's like, yo, I know what we got going on. I got to be better. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do that. But at the same time, I'm telling you this because I need your help to do it. And I'm going to help you do what you need to do. The better you are, the better we are. That's how this works. 
Um, I think uh, I remember being in meetings and PG always he was good about it. they made sure he he never oh, yeah. yeah he never said yo you're not doing this and you're not doing that like y'all y'all not helping it was never that same David West was big about his voice he always spoke from what he had to fix first because I can't be pointing fingers at people about guys getting baseline when I'm supposed to be the help on the baseline and I'm not there yeah so everybody's at fault I can't just point fingers at one thing. Paul George was young in Indy too, and he was having conversations like that. That's yeah, but he had been wise. around. He had been around though. He had that's been on true. good teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's teams. true. That's true. Those Indy teams, man, like those are yeah. very good teams. You think about some of the squads that um, fell to LeBron James; they're mm-hmm. one of them. So that's when I I come in right after yeah. that, like at the end of that. Yeah. So I come in with them being a number one team in the East the year before, and or mm. a couple of years in a row, and things like that, and it just certain things happen that didn't help somebody breaking their leg and all type of things. Like, you know, they yeah. changed it, but still. Make them dance, Lance. <laughs> <laughs> well, finally on the uh, players only thing, um, has there been a players only meeting that you recall without naming names that wasn't very productive and didn't go as planned? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was almost a fight. Mm. Yeah. Somebody cried. It was bad. Oh no! Not like cry, like like that mad cry though. Not like cry, like sad, like for cry, like you know how you get so fired Carol up. You trying Carol to get Owens, like, yeah, yeah, like Tony Romo. That's and it wasn't, but it wasn't even to that extent. It was just yeah. the tears came. And you were like, "Are you crying?" Like, okay, mm. this is serious now. So, like, you know, let's get this together. But um, yeah, there's been a couple. Like that, not not a couple were crying, but a couple that just didn't really seem to. The second yeah. one, well, two. The the one with the crying. The second one, you didn't know it didn't mean anything until five games later when guys were still doing the same thing. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Nobody cares, I guess. Huh? I won't make you uh say who those teams were or players. We'll we'll leave that. that yeah, I, mean, I I wouldn't do it anyway. <laughs> I know you wouldn't. <laughs> Thank you for another episode of Strictly Hoops. People, rate, review, subscribe on your podcast platforms. On YouTube, subscribe there. Watch, follow. We just got to hope the Raptors turn this thing around and hopefully these next few weeks go okay. We're going to talk to you real soon again. Closing thoughts, CJ. Oh, Praying to the the three-point gods. Basketball gods. (laughs) Send some level to the three-point guys. You know, it's like the basketball guys, you got to break them down into the angels and the other guys. So we got the three-point guys, the help side guys, the timeout guys, the challenge guys, all of them. So let's 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 send some love to them and rub some good juju on the guys, but just staying confident, hopefully. When all those balls are rimming out for Pascal yesterday, I'm like, man, the basketball gods are not happy with us right now. That's all it is, because they were all just they were gonna go in, they're just like, eh. Never mind. So this is my this is my theory on it. It's just a test to make sure you know you really want to be who you want to be. So you got to. It's like anything in life. You got to go through something. <laughs> that's the like. That's my 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 sad guru for the day. Yeah. <laughs> like you got to go through it though. Like yeah. you got to you got to prove to me you want to be a forty point percent three point shooter. Meaning you got to have someone for eight days and you got to mm. go back in the lab to come back so you can have them six for eight days. Ain't that the truth? Battle tested. All right, CJ. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll talk soon. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.